We try and have laughs when we can and help each other out because, yeah, it is not a pleasant situation. I've been doing animals for a long time, and this is the first time I've ever experienced anything like this. Just a heads up to our listeners that this episode was recorded in April of 2022, and a lot has changed since that period in time. The Florida Wildlife Hospital is now taking in bird patients into their drop boxes again, although that the flu is still present in Brevard County. You're going to hear a few times in this episode that they are not taking them in, but that is no longer the case. So keep that in mind if you see a injured bird and you would like to bring it into the hospital. I'd also like to add that in this episode, we stated that there had only been one transmission of bird flu from an avian species to a human in the UK. As of late April, there actually was another transmission in the United States in Colorado. However, since then, there have actually been no more cases reported. So two cases, not just one, which is what we had spoken about in this episode. Thank you and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Voices for the Lagoon, a weekly program dedicated to the past, present, and future of the Indian River Lagoon. I'm your host, Paul Rubin. Today, I'm excited to welcome back Tracy Frampton and Lindsay Meyer for the Florida Wildlife Hospital to educate us on the current state of the avian flu affecting Brevard County bird species and how the hospital has adapted to care for its patients. Tracy is the executive director and Lindsay is the outreach and volunteer manager at the Florida Wildlife Hospital. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. So quick story here and kind of what was the premise for this interview? Uh, you know, this is obviously a big topic now, but how my wife and I found out about the bird flu was we actually were going to Costco. And I remember on the way home, seeing a pelican on the side of the road. And my first instinct was to pull over, get a towel or something to kind of secure it and then go ahead and rescue it. But I pulled over and realized we had to be somewhere and and we had no time to to rescue it at all. So I went ahead and called and quickly found out from a few different groups that there was this massive bird flu going around and that not only could we not rescue it, we were going to have to leave it there and probably hope, you know, I don't, I'm sure it isn't around anymore. So that was really sad and really eye-opening for me. When did the highly pathogenic avian influenza or HPAI H5N1, often referred to as the bird flu, first start? And when did it begin to impact Brevard County native birds? And Tracy, if you want to answer that, go ahead. Sure. It showed up in some other countries in early 2020. It did not show up in the U.S. until January of this year. The first one in Florida was tested positive in Palm Beach, uh, West Palm. It was a hunter harvested blue wing teal. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife does testing regularly at hunt stations and half for years because of the different times that we've had the virus in this country. They're just kind of keeping an eye on it. So that one it was not symptomatic. It was taken by a hunter. In February, We started getting calls and started seeing birds come in here at our facility and Palm Beach County, Brevard County and Volusia County all had confirmed cases by February of this year. 
wow, that happened really quickly. Yeah. So that kind of answers my next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Uh, Lindsay, how is the virus spread and how contagious is it? And is the virus deadly or do birds often recover? It is spread by saliva, nasal secretions, and the feces of infected animals. And it doesn't even need to be direct contact. It can be from contaminated clothing or equipment or ground cover or whatever. And unfortunately, from what we've seen, it is fatal and it is not treatable and it is very contagious. When we first got it on our radar, it was up in North Carolina, South Carolina area, and it very quickly then was down in Florida. So have you seen it spread through the hospital and kind of take a few birds that otherwise wouldn't have been killed? So we knew that it was coming because it hit other states before Florida and sort of put protocols into place before it ever reached Florida to prevent spread at our facility, which okay. I think we're going to talk about a little later. Yeah. And just another, sorry, this is another question that just comes up, but you know, we're all so sort of fatigued from the coronavirus COVID-19. So this is just came at such a terrible time. It seems and you know, even the birds are starting to feel these uh, viruses. So anyway, maybe not even in question, just something I wanted to say. When it first started, we're like, isn't one pandemic enough? Do we really need another one? Like, that just seems a little unnecessary. Yeah. I remember in 2002, I believe it was SARS, you know, that was the big thing. It was bird flu. And I think it was China or one of the, you know, there was, there was one of the countries there, then they started to spread really rapidly. So it was like, oh my God, we have a, this massive pandemic. And now all of a sudden it's like, are we going to get a bird flu on top of that? So that was a big deal last time. And then it's on top of this time. So not good news but I hope we're able to get through it. Uh, the most recent news that I've seen from FWC as of April, 2022. So this year, this month, uh, it, they reported that black vultures are the most diagnosed species with the flu. So does the Florida wildlife hospital see, uh, black vultures frequently at their hospital? Um, we don't see that many each year and we have not seen any that I recall that have come in with, the HPAI. We have heard reports from other areas where there have been massive die-offs, but we have not had many come in here. The first species that we were seeing affected were in uh, Lesser Scop, which is sort of a diving bay duck. Mm -hmm. um, and we were getting call after call after call and people saying there's 27 dead ducks right outside my house. Um, within, between February 2nd and February 23rd, we had 32 sick scop come in with many, many more calls than that. So what we were seeing first was in that species. But once you have a lot of dead ducks around, you've got the scavengers who are feeding on them. So they're now, we, we've had a positive bald eagle. We've had um, some other positive raptors, great horned owl. Um, we have been working very closely with FWC from the very start. And um, we do save samples that they can have them tested to see what's going on and where it's spreading. And they've been updating maps of the state every few weeks of which counties have confirmed cases, which counties have symptomatic cases, things like that. So um, it, it came on strong pretty quickly. 
Yeah. I, I remember just being at uh, in Mel Beach, uh, Rickman Park, maybe a week ago, and there were a whole bunch of lesser scop there. And now I wonder, are is that uh, group of birds still that group of birds or are they no longer there because there was a you usually see from the bridges every now and then you get to see a little group of birds like that and they're all in the lagoon so oh that's very sad and um i guess another uh thing that comes up is i do a lot of surveying for crested caracara and those birds scavenge and i worry now for them because they're already so much pressure on that species for you know their habitat and they're already a threatened species so i wonder now how will this impact them and we probably won't see those go in the hospital because they're not as common so i'm not sure if you had any of them but i feel like i have to ask we haven't gotten any in i don't think we've had any in this year but we do get them occasionally okay we will we'll get one in once in a while we get a few each year okay um, let's keep our fingers crossed yeah yeah definitely so what changes has the hospital made in response to the bird flu uh lindsay so before it ever even hit Florida, we isolated our ambassador animals from the rest of the hospital so that none of the staff crossed over between the two to make sure we didn't spread any contamination to our resident animals. And then we also implemented additional biosecurity measures, including foot baths at all of the doors, creating a bird triage area that was outside of the hospital so that any contaminated birds wouldn't come in and, and affect any of our other patients, sending a lot of birds to FWC for testing. And we also had to close our drop-off boxes, which is a space where people can drop off animals any time of day or night that gives it the animal a nice quiet place to rest and de-stress before we take it in to do its uh, intake examination. But because we don't want anybody putting in a bird, then somebody putting another bird in that could be sick. Even mammals have been known to get HPAI, things like scavenger animals like foxes that might eat birds. And so our drop-off boxes are currently closed until we get through this bird flu outbreak. And that's mm. affected taking in patients. So right now with those not being open, if I were to rescue a bird, or I guess I wouldn't rescue a bird, I, how would you see a bird, a new, a new patient come in? I might have a lot that. of people still don't know about bird flu. Um, right now we're recommending that everybody just leave birds alone and let nature take its course, which as wildlife lovers, we know is really hard. Um, but it is the best thing you can do is just to leave them alone instead of bringing it in because anything that comes here, if that would go out from here could take potentially spread bird flu to other areas and other birds and cause more deaths. So we're just telling everybody to leave birds alone right now and not bring them in. And then anybody that does bring them in, they have to come in during our open hours, which is from nine o'clock to 4.30 PM every day. And then our front desk staff will take them and take them to the outdoor triage area. Okay. Yeah. A lot of extra steps. So Tracy, how have the staff uh, at the hospital and volunteers dealt with the changes being made? It seems like a lot of extra work, very stressful. It kind of sounds like you're in a, in a hospital during COVID, you know, similar steps being taken. So how, how has that impacted your Everyone's uh, hanging in there, but it has been difficult. Everyone's been following our new rules really well. Most of the people that are bringing us animals are very understanding about it when we explain the situation. But it's tough. I mean, many of the people here have made their careers out of helping animals. And it is really unpleasant um, and uh, a morale killer when you are not able to help 
so many animals. So it, it has been very difficult. Um, we try and have laughs when we can and try and keep each other motivated and help each other out because yeah, it is, it is not a pleasant situation. I've been doing animals for a long time and this is the first time I've ever experienced anything like this. Most of the time, the wildlife are carriers, but aren't seriously affected by it. But um, the domestic poultry are typically very affected. And oftentimes, millions of chickens and turkeys have to be called because it got into the poultry farms. It's much more unusual to see these die-offs in the wild animals. And um, it's definitely heartbreaking. But because it's untreatable, because it's deadly, because it's so contagious, we just really have to do what's best for the animals that are here. We did have some birds in our care kind of in between. Um, they were already here before the, the virus showed up. So we kept rehabbing them and we did have them tested just did swabs kind of like the COVID test that we've all been through before we released them just to make sure we weren't introducing something back into the wild. Okay. And, and this question just occurred to me because I'm thinking of humans in a similar situation, but what does a sick animal look like? What does a sick bird look like? Is it dying from its own fluids? Is it dying from not being able to breathe? Is it dying from a, some like a fever? What, what it, what is it doing to the, the birds? Mostly what we have been seeing is neurological symptoms. They can't hold their head up. A lot of people have been reporting ducks just keep swimming in circles. Um, maybe they can't stand. That's mostly what we've been seeing is neurological symptoms. Um, there have been cases like the pelican you described where it's people are like there's a pelican on the side of the road just standing there. Yeah. He probably isn't able to see right. Um, he's got all sorts of neurological issues. And that's I, I'm pretty sure it can show up in other ways as well. But that's what we have been seeing here. Okay. And so any, anything with neurological issues, we do send off to be tested. Okay. And trying to avoid a tangent with that thought, but my dad was driving over, uh, O'Galley uh, causeway and he saw a bunch of birds fall out of the sky. And I think that was a big news story maybe a month or two ago. And we found out now that this has been going on since January. Could that be a possible yep. symptom? Okay. Yep. Yep. We've had a couple people said this pelican just fell, died on my roof. It fell out of the sky and died on my roof. Um, so yes, it can be, it can be they They just sucking it up as much as they can until they can't suck it up anymore. And boom, that's it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. So on the human side of things, Lindsay, are humans able to contract the virus and are there any identified cases of such an event? They can, which is why we've been recommending that everybody not handle any sick birds. And if you do to mask up, wear gloves, wash up afterwards, because it is possible. There's, I think, been one case outside of the U.S. and no cases in the U.S. So it's not very likely, but it is possible. Okay. And outside of the U.S., do you, wh wh where was that? I think it was the U.K. 
Okay. Well, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's alarming. I mean, wherever it is, it's, uh, I just can't believe that that's happening again. We've already gone over it, but yeah. Okay. Well, something to keep in mind. What precautions should residents take when identifying injured wildlife and reporting them to the Florida Wildlife Hospital, Tracy? Well, one thing to make sure right away is that you're being safe, because if you get sick or injured, then you can't help anything else. So be careful if you're on a busy road, be careful that you don't get injured by the animal that you're trying to help. So just really be safe. Even animals that aren't typically aggressive can injure you because they're terrified. You're a monster. You're, you're making them go through an alien abduction basically is what they're going through. They feel like they're being taken up to space. So you do be very, very careful. We don't recommend anyone handle sick birds right now. We are talking through a lot of people are finding baby birds that have fallen out of the nest and we are um, talking them through renesting. Um, and we've had many, many successful renests in the last few weeks of um, getting people to put it in a basket with drainage holes, put it back up near where you found it, and the parents will still come back and feed the young. So we are recommending that more often. And that will not change after avian flu goes away because that's really the best thing. Whenever we can get the babies back with the parents, that's absolutely the best thing. Um, call us if you've got questions, if you've, you're not sure, you don't want to handle rabies vector species. That means animals that can contract rabies and spread it. Um, so that would be raccoons, otters, skunks, foxes, coyotes. Am I leaving anything out, Lindsay? Bats. Bats, Bats are another one. Um, so you really don't recommend handling any of those animals because even the young ones are capable of carrying it and spreading it. If you do find a sick bird, we really recommend, sadly, we hate doing it, but it's best to just let nature take its course. If you have a deceased bird that um, you see, you if, if you feel up to it, it's really best to remove it because the scavengers that eat it are also going to get sick. I was just going to um, ask that. Yeah. Cause that make, that would make sense. Yeah. The heartbreaking part. It, and it could be bird scavengers or as Lindsay mentioned earlier, it could be mammal scavengers as well. So if you have disposable gloves, we recommend disposable gloves. If you've got one of those N95 masks that everyone used to wear double bag, whatever it is that you found and put it in the trash to try and prevent other animals from getting the disease as well. Um, if you can't stomach it or don't want to do it, we get it, but th that is a way, I mean, even your pets at home could get it if they um, consume a deceased bird that had it. So you do have to be very careful. Okay. And that could affect us. Yeah. Like we mentioned, and uh, just briefly, I, I wanted to bring that back up about the poultry. So I think that's actually like the economic side of things that can be very effective, you know, that can affect our economy in a lot of ways, how our food resources are just being totally cold like that. So I think like you mentioned, that's generally where this normally happens because it's a very cramped environment that is usually indoors, maybe not the best ventilation. So this is kind of unprecedented in this area and around the country. And uh, so that's happening at the same time, correct? That like that's yes. going on right now. Okay. Yes. 
And that's an important point to make as well, is it's not just happening in Florida. Mm-hmm. Every one of the flyways through the U.S. is being affected. So from the west coast of the country to the middle of the country to the east coast, this we are not alone. So this, this is sadly, imagine multiplying this by all the other states, but it is showing up. And there have been many poultry farms that have had to call all their birds because of it. Chickens and turkeys, both. It's really sad. Okay. And also, I was just wondering, you know, maybe Lindsay being in the trenches, maybe not an actual uh, vet, but you, I'm sure you do deal with a lot of these birds. Do you see any sign of progress or Tracy too? Do you see this going in a good direction soon or is this, we're still peaking cases and it's going to, this could go on for a long time. This could go on for a long time. I think the big part is the scavengers, the, the black vultures are still, and, and, you know, they roost in huge groups. So um, there's several towers around here where you can see hundreds on top of each other, all the way up the mm-hmm. tower. So they're defecating down probably on each other. They're roosting right next to each other. So, and they're scavenging, um, doing a great job for us. I got to give them that. They do a great job cleaning up, but in this case, they are not able to fight off this disease. So the hope was when these waterfowl migrate back up north, they would take the disease with them. But so far, we haven't seen or heard as nearly as many sick scop. But the disease, the virus itself still is definitely around. Okay. Yeah. So I mostly work with the resident animals, not the patient wildlife animals, but I do share an office with our rehabilitation manager and keep asking her for status updates. And the last batch of birds that we sent out for testing to FWC, all of them came back positive. So we are still have a lot of positive cases. We have uh, more animals that are ready to be sent out for testing. And we're still getting a lot of cases of birds coming in showing different neurological symptoms. So we do a lot of conferences and even around the country. And I think the last one was from Michigan, Minnesota, one of those Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota it was one of those M ones. But yeah, so they were going on like, you know, we're hoping that once the weather warms up because they still have snow there, hard to fathom. Um, and once the migration birds move through that, hopefully things will get better, but we're down here in Florida, like it is warm and our migration birds have started moving on and we haven't seen much of an improvement yet. So Mm. yeah. Yeah. So not a great outlook there. Alrighty. Well, is there anything uh, either of you would like to add before we end the show? Just about, I mean, it's, 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 it's <laughs> terrible to end. It's such a sad note. It's, it's, it's not going it's a anywhere. Tough it's topic. worse. It's like, great. Yeah, it's a Alrighty. tough topic. Yeah. And no, we're doing everything we can and we're trying our best to keep the, to not spread it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a difficult subject and um, we're hanging in there and doing our best, but it it's not pleasant right now. We are still rehabbing all the non-avian species. So we have a nursery full of almost 80 baby opossums right now that are growing up and are super adorable. And we'll be getting to go outside and getting released soon. And we still, we have another bobcat on property and we have a lot of 
tortoise patients that have shell injuries that are healing. So we're still working on rehabbing all the things that we can and helping all the animals that we can. And we are looking forward to the day when we can start taking all of our birds back in. Great. Well, thank you for the positive end of this. And uh, thank you to the staff, the volunteers who are working so hard over there. And uh, but specifically you. Thank you both for joining us today, Tracy and Lindsay. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can stream this and past shows on all major platforms. For listener feedback, please contact the Rivard Indian River Lagoon Coalition Save Our Lagoon page on Facebook, Instagram, or email us at birlc at saveourlagoon.org. Music was by Vacationer from the album Wavelengths. Thank you all for listening.